When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Young Bucks podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network, your Pittsburgh Pirates prospects podcast of choice. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. And Corey, we've got a loaded set of prospects to talk about here this week. Yeah, uh, Alex Stump came over to Altoona and wrote a feature on Matt Gorski, who uh, is having a terrific year for the curve. And I just wanted to start with him, Jared, because uh, we updated our top 10 prospects this week. Matt Gorski is not in the top 10 prospects. So we, we when, when we talk about prospects, what we're trying to accomplish here is we're looking at major league potential um, guys who have the, the biggest highest ceilings at the major league level. Now, Jared, you, you've been watching Gorski the whole time in Altoona. Should he be in our top 10? I mean, the way that he's played, I think it's worth a shot, right? I mean, he's one of the hottest hitters um, in the organization right now. He's I surely catapulted. Uh, we want to talk about his age. I think that was impacted significantly by COVID um, because he wasn't at the alt site. So he lost a year of development. Um, so I get that. Um, but the dude is just strong, man. He is hitting balls, you know, to places that I haven't seen hit in a long time. I know the last time the curve were at home, he hit one off nearly off the parking garage and center field as a right-handed hitter. So that in and of itself is incredible to me because he's going to the He's going to the backside. He's going to the opposite field and driving the ball with strength and power. And that's something that you just really don't see. And if you can figure, if he can start working to the pull side, you know, light, that could be lights out for, for a guy like Gorski. Okay. So why isn't he ranked in the top 10? All right. Well, because this kind of came out of nowhere. Okay. Uh, Matt Gorski, good hitter uh, is his whole life. Second round pick in 2019 from Indiana. But we got to look back at last year at Greensboro. He hit 224 with a 711 OPS in 95 games. 224 with a 711 OPS in 25 games as a 23 year old, high A 23 year old. Okay. So what? And then he had to repeat that level to start this year. So what happens? It's like, it's like college football or college basketball preseason rankings. If your team is not in the top 25 in the preseason, you've got to do a hell of a lot to get into the top 25 and 
move up the rankings as opposed to Jared, if your team is 15th and you win one or two games and some people lose now, all of a sudden you're ninth. All right. Where are you really the ninth best team in the country? No. Was Penn state really the fourth best team in the country last year in college football? No, they beat Wisconsin and, and, uh, Auburn, both of which turned out to be not tremendous wins at the time anyway. So my point is with Gorski, he didn't start really anywhere near our top 10. And so while I would be inclined to put him in the top 10 with this tremendous year, he's got 23 homers, minor league lead for Altoona since coming up to Altoona. He's batting 289 with a 906 ERA and six home runs. He is definitely playing like a guy that you would think would be a top 10 prospect. However, he's 24 years old. I'm not trying that I'm holding it against him. It's kind of the same thing with Matt Frazier last year with what Matt Fraser did as an older guy at a level. Is this the real Matt Gorski that we're seeing? Do we think this is all going to translate once he gets to AAA in the major leagues? Yeah, and I think you can't knock the strength. I think strength is something that no matter how old you are, you have it or you don't. Um, and his raw power tools, I think, are, are really, really good at this point. Now, there are some flaws in his swing, but as he's told Alex, you know, it's not broke. So, it's not worth fixing yet, but eventually okay, but that's going to catch a, up to him. He had 125 strikeouts in 358 at bats last year. That's kind of broke. All right. Now that was last year. And again, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to put in perspective what we're the, the gigantic leap we're seeing this year. And when you go from like number 30 on the prospect list, for folks who are wondering that why he's not in the top 10. Now, look, the strikeout number has been better. Do, do you see a big hole in his swing since he's been in Altoona? I don't. But, again, I'm looking at these numbers from Greenbrow last year, 125 strikeouts and only 34 walks in 401 plate appearances. That's, that's why he was nowhere near the top 10 coming into this year. I see a lot of movement in his swing pre-pitch. So if he can catch up to it, and that's, I think, a lot of the reason why he's hitting it backside so much. He's uh, it's not that he's he's getting around a little bit late from what I've seen. Now, I haven't seen him in a week since the curve have been out of town. But when I look at it and I look at it from a coaching perspective, I see his front foot kind of stepping out and I see his back and in his hands with a lot of movement. And the, the less movement, the better, the quieter, so to speak, the better. Now, it works for him. It doesn't work for everybody. And. I mean, a lot of his balls are going center or, or middle of the field um, into the opposite field, which is, you know, not a bad situation for a hitter. So to me, that's what I see from him. But that's not something that can't be fixed. That's something that you just get your your foot down sooner. Now you step towards the pitcher. You, you do a couple things here and there mechanically. But you have to be willing to make those changes. I'm not saying that he isn't. But if you can make those changes and he can start getting the ball to the pull side, because the way things are now, I don't think that he's going to get a lot of balls to the pull side. Um, but that's just me. And it's just those are just my observations. But for right now, I mean, he's hitting the crap out of the ball. And, and that's a really good situation uh, for the curve. Yeah, we're going to have a meeting of the minds here over the next week with Jared and Alex and and Chris and uh um, we'll, we'll maybe pitch Gorski for the top 10. I did drop Jared Jones out of the top 10 this week because we had to put Travis Swaggerty in there. Uh, when we started this a few weeks ago, Travis was in the big leagues. Now, can we debate if Travis Swaggerty deserves to be in the top 10 prospects? Uh, he's 24. Uh, 
first round pick in 2018. So he's older than he's uh, been around longer than Gorski, but Travis Swaggart, he's already in triple a. And, and there is a big difference there. He, he was allowed to skip double a Travis Swaggart. He never played for that tuna curve. So, you know, with the, all the COVID stuff, they let him skip. So do we have, do we, because of, two or three great months, do we all of a sudden put Matt Gorski ahead of Travis Swaggerty? Because look, everybody's like, here, here, this is what's funny, like the NCAA tournament. People are like, oh, well, this team should be in, and this team should be in, this team should be in, this team should be in. And by the time the analyst is finished, he's got 77 teams in the tournament. Well, they take 68. And so we can say, well, this guy should be in, this guy should be in. Go look at our top 10. Tell me who should be out. Because uh, I, I got Bubba Chandler in the top 10. And and basically the only other debatable guy would be Indy Rodriguez, and I I can absolutely make a case that Indy may Indy may not deserve to be in our top ten anymore uh, over maybe a guy like Gorski, but that's something we're going to have to figure out here over the next week. Yeah, I think that's the, the beauty of prospect list because it's always it's always going to be fluid. Yeah, you think of some some people should be up there, but they're not, and you know it, it's just one of those things. Who's hot right now? Who can contain? It's not. It's it's getting hot is is the easy part. It's staying hot and staying up that I think is the hard part, and that's what makes these prospect lists so fluid and and so flexible. Um, and that's why it kind of varies from week to week. So it's interesting to kind of see how things develop and and, and occur over time. And I'll close this first segment by saying this. We are trying to do something different here, but with a week-to-week top 10. Um, we're not making this a hot list. This is not who's hot right now. The ultimate goal of our, our top 10 prospects is still major league potential. And so, hey, Matt Gorski keeps this up. We will make a case for the top 10, absolutely. But, again, as of right now, who are you going to take out? Yeah, right. I mean, the way things are, I don't know that there is anybody anybody at this point in time. Um, but again, that's why they play the game, and that's why we're we are where we're at now. When we come back here in the second segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about some players that might be called back down to the minors as a result of injuries and people returning from the IL on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Young Bucks podcast here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Pruger. Corey, it's a war of numbers at the major league level. You're only allowed a certain amount of players. You're only allowed a certain amount of pitchers now. So there are going to be, there's going to be some attrition. There's going to be some guys that should be called back that shouldn't be um, guys that should stay up, that shouldn't stay up. Um, and guys that should be on the roster that really shouldn't sniff the roster um, as a result of some of these things. And the Pirates are about to face that. Obviously, they just had Josh Van Meter back. Cal Mitchell gets recalled. I like the Mitchell recall. I think he can do a lot more in AAA, though. He did perform really well while with the big league club. Now, you can say what you want for Josh Van Meter being a part of the stat, a part of the r- roster. But that's the first domino to fall. There are about to be a, a couple more um, that are going to fall here pretty soon. Yeah, I got to think they send this Cruz fella back down. He's just not hitting the ball hard enough. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, as we're speaking here, I'm watching the replay of last night's laser shot to 
to right field that uh, that O'Neill hit, and that's that's what people the kind of thing people love. This is this is what's interesting because we're talking about this from the young bucks perspective and, and the prospects perspective. Everybody wants to play the kids, play the kids, play the kids, play the kids, play the kids. Well, you just play all the kids. You're going to lose. That, mm-hmm. We need to be realistic. You're, you're going to lose. Now you'll get them experience while you're losing and they will do some really good things and you'll win some games and they'll do some really bad things and you'll lose a lot of games. That that's the that's the concept of the play with the play the kids notion that you don't want to bury the kids up there. I, at least I don't losing 105, 110 games because they they just don't have a shot. So what's the right balance, Jared? That's what we're really trying to get at here. What is the right balance of Josh Van Meter? Okay, the Josh Van Meters of the world, the Yoshi Tsutsugos of the world guys that really have no future in Pittsburgh, but, but they might be able to help you a little bit more on a consistency basis than some of these young guys right now who would be going through some major ups and downs. Right. And that's the thing where you have to kind of balance that, right? Because, you know, there are certain, uh, certain people that can't really, you know, that shouldn't be a part of the, a part of the roster. And, and maybe they should be. And, and guys like Yu Chang and Yoshi Satsugo that really haven't had a lot of success. Like, why are they there? It's not like they have a boatload of money in, in, into them. Maybe they do in, in the grand scheme of the Pirates' financial situation. But that's a situation that, you know, you have to kind of balance that with the with the with letting the young guys play and have success and learn on the fly or just seeing these guys just not perform up to their capabilities and hope that it turns around. And with Yoshi Satsugo, he was hurt and he was hurt a lot more than people thought he was. Um, they didn't even know that he was hurt until he was hurt. Um, and this has been a nagging injury and something that the organization had been un- un- unaware of um, at that point. So that makes it tough. Um, so, you know, you just kind of have to balance that and, and, and who falls and who doesn't, you know, a guy like Jackson Winsky, it, it would be a travesty. I think if he got sent to well, triple A or, Double A, I guess, is where he started the year. Um, so, you know, and then you look at Diego Castillo. He made the team out of camp. And, I mean, yeah, are there struggles for him? Absolutely. And has he made some mistakes? He had the missed tag uh, a couple of days ago, I think, is, is, a, is an issue. But it's just one of those situations where you have to kind of be cognizant of what's good for both now and the future. And are these guys that are coming back going to be good now? Or is it going to be good for the future? Yeah, I don't think you can move Sawinski. It's not rocket science here. Yeah, he's only batting 211. The OPS is 746. But what he brings to you with the home run potential, I mean, he is is a game-changing kind of player. Mm -hmm. Now, And all of this experience will help him. So I don't think you move him at all. I'm going to go about this from the perspective of, because I know we're talking about shuffling pieces up and down. I'll just ask, why is Jiwon Bay not with the big league team right now? And again, there's numbers and all this stuff, and 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 you got guys on contract, but you can't convince me that Jiwon Bay wouldn't help them win games right now more than some other dudes that they've got over his last this month in the month of June. We're recording this on June 28th, so June's almost over. He's batting 363, all right, with a 901 OPS. Uh, he, he's been crushing it the entire month. He's batting 319 for the season. Is Jiwon Bay an elite-level 
athlete and prospect, you know, that's going to help you for 10 years. I don't know about that, but he can help you right now more so than I think some other guys. So um, th- th- that's one guy in particular who I think should already be there. So as we're talking about guys that may have to come up and down and, you know, that kind of stuff. Again, Jared, my default in sports is play your best guys. Play the guys that give you the best chance to win today, which is why DK is all over Yu Chang every time Yu Chang comes up to bat and DK gets uh, uh, gets after him on Twitter because Yu Chang doesn't get help you win today, nor does he help you win tomorrow. That doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, let's be real. I mean, say what you want about what the Pirates are trying to do this year. But but let's look at the roster as a whole, right? So let's look at the guys that are on the IL. You have Dylan Peters, pitcher, right? And then you have um, Jake Marisnik, uh, outfielder, who's dealing with both COVID and a left thumb injury. Zach Thompson, pitcher, starter. Uh, and Ben Gamel, uh, outfielder. And then you've got Yoshi Sutsugo. Well, there's no answer at first base, right? You have Chavis, um, and, and I think that's – it's good. Yoshi, I don't think, really has a spot on the team. He's expected to return this month. I just don't – and he's he's rehabbing uh, currently with Indy. Uh, so is Kevin Newman. So Kevin Newman is, it could be mm-hmm. on his way back. And then that's where the infield situation kind of comes into fruition because – or comes into to call here because um, – it's just going to create just this this numbers crunch and this roster crunch that I don't think is really fair because I don't think that there are a lot of guys that that have had issues, you know, that it's sticking with the team, right? I mean, you look at Castillo, we months in that. To me, the, the casualties would be Yu Chang and Satsugo, in my opinion, because, I mean, you don't really need anybody else. I, you could probably send Hoy Park back down. I don't think that he's going to light the world on fire. But it, then you've also got Tucapita Marcano, who's on the COVID IL too. And while he wasn't bad when he played, he was he did a, a, an admirable job coming up from from Double A. Do they want to see him in more of an extended look? Because uh, he started rehabbing in Bradenton while the Pirates were in Florida. So, or does he get sent back to Altoona and then you bring a G1 Bay back, or do you bring a you know a a Gamble back or a Marisnik back or Satsugo comes back uh, or even Kevin Newman. So that's kind of, you know, where I'm at there. And now pitchers, I mean, pitchers are a dime a dozen here. I would expect, you know, guys like maybe Cam View, even though he's done a great job to get sent back when, um, you know, when probably Peters returns, although that's, it would be nice to have another lefty. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they haven't filled Zach Thompson's, rotation spot and Miguel Yehure pitched in it yesterday. Uh, he's expected back in July. So, you know, that's some extended time, but, you know, looking at this roster, they, they've got a solid balance. I mean, Bly Madris, you know, he's probably the casualty if Marisnik and Gamble come back, unfortunately, um, because, but he's not done a, a bad job either. Like he's shown that he can play at this level. So it'll be really interesting to see the kind of juggling that, that they do with this roster when these guys get healthy, because there's going to be a couple odd men out and, and it's not going to be really fair either. That's a good point. At the end there, you mentioned about fair. Um, life is not fair. Baseball is not fair to prospects a lot of times. And again, we, we, we could go on and really for a long time, probably about Kevin Newman here 
Uh, but we're not going to do that. We're again, we're trying to. This is a prospect podcast. You can get your Kevin Newman discussions probably in some other places here uh, about what the future is there. But you mentioned Bly, a guy like a Bly Madris. You know, um, is is he a kind of guy that you just say, okay, forget about Jake Marisnik? I, I mean, honestly, okay. So Jake Marisnik, if he comes back healthy. You're going to play him over Bly Madris? Why? I mean, is it why? What, what are you getting? Now, could Jake Marisnik help you over the course of a 50-game span a little more than Bly Madris? Well, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, Jake Marisnik in, in uh, 22 games years, OPS was 400. That's basically a pitcher level. So Bly Madris is a guy you can build around for the future. All right. So you you're gonna play you're gonna play a, a Jake Marisnik when, when whenever he's ready. You see what I'm getting at? These are the decisions that when when we get back to again the play the kid, play the kids, play the kids, play the kids, play the kids, play the kids uh, all that kind of stuff. Well, if you're going to play the kids, then play the kids and suffer the consequences. If you're going to play Jake Marisnik, you're wasting people's time. Right. And I mean, like, let's talk about a guy like Bly Madris. He's done everything you've asked. He's grinded. But again, is there a merit, the meritocracy, right? It, does it, does it deserve to continue? Right. If you, if you give no reason to, to go back, uh, make it, make them make that decision. And, but you have to buy in to whatever you're trying to sell here. Are you going to let the young guys play or are you just going to, piecemeal a roster together and i think that's what the pirates need to figure out first and foremost as these guys come back and it's it's challenging because you know you you got some of these guys to contracts you owe them money if you if you release them or whatever i mean there 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 are some business components to all this as well um i I, look i i've done i've done the minor leagues long enough to know that there is a flaw the the fatal flaw with the play the kids mentality is you don't want them to just get beaten down so quickly by losing a ton. We saw this for a lot of the Pirates' 20-year losing streak. All these good young prospects would come up, and what would happen to them with basically within a month or two of being there, they would get beaten down by losing, Jared. They won in the minor leagues. They get, they get up to the big leagues, and all of a sudden your, your team's horrible, and losing becomes expected. And that is an issue. Now, it did not happen with the McCutcheon and Neil Walker group that finally broke through and got to the playoffs. But say you just bring up O'Neill Cruz and Bly Madrid, I know Kane Smith and Jigba's injured, and, and G1 Bay and Travis Swaggerty and Jack Sawinski and all, and you just play a, play a lineup with all these young guys. Yeah, they're getting experience for the future. But yeah, they're probably losing a hell of a lot of games. And then you, then you worry about do do you send the message to them or do they start to feel like, okay, even though we're in the big leagues, losing is acceptable here, which is kind of what's happened for year, you know, in years past. That is, that is a challenge. I'm not smart enough to know the answer. I don't get paid millions of dollars to come up with that answer. We can just sit here on a podcast and gripe about it. Perfect. And that's why we're here, right? So we will get back to you here after a short break on the our Young Bucks podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.
Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Young Bucks podcast, your Pittsburgh Pirates prospects podcast of choice. Corey Henry Davis has started to hit the ball. Tell me why uh, that's good. Yeah, that's great. I mean, he look he he went through some things. He was injured with the wrist when he got up to Altoona. He came up. He hit the home run. Then they realize he you know he had the the wrist fracture. He, he misses a few weeks. Comes back to Altoona, really struggled. He he really did. He he ended up starting off three for thirty five. Again, that's a small sample size, so you know you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, and he had some good at bats during that three for thirty five as well. But they went on the road. Curve went on the road last week. He did hit better. Uh, two two hits in three straight games. Uh, some doubles, a home run. So we don't worry. Knock on wood. We don't think we have to worry about Henry Davis at the plate. What, what you worry about is did the hit by pitches take a toll on something? Did he have to start feeling like he was doing something different? All that kind of thing, because that is a reality, but I mean, Hey, it it was good to see Altoona will be home this week, starting Tuesday, June 28th. So if you want to come over, if you're in the Pittsburgh area and you want to come over and watch last year's number one pick, um, it, it, this would be a good week to do so. Uh, but I always tell people, because he is a catcher, and he, he might DH some too, you check the box score. If you're going to come over on a Thursday, check to see if he played on Wednesday, that kind of thing, folks, because he's not playing every day. He's not going to catch every day, certainly. And with a catcher, he's got to get his rest. So anybody that's planning to come to Altoona to watch Henry Davis, make sure you're checking the box scores to see what the tendencies are when he's playing. Right, and... I mean, and I think that's good too, but the big thing for me is a hitter, right? You have so much muscle memory and it's so much just a creature or habit. And when you play hurt, your body gets adjusted to playing hurt. So when you're finally healthy, it takes a lot longer. And it's not like he had an extensive rehab process, right? He only missed a couple of weeks, only played in a couple of games in Bradenton, um, or the, or the uh, complex league. I'm not, I can't remember um, where he did his rehab and then he came back and then he struggled. Well, it takes time to get that timing down. And and now that he's healthy, just, just imagine though, that the home run that he hit in Altoona when he was hurt, that ball was absolutely smoked. So if you like power and you like home runs, then man, you, this Altoona team is going to be fun to watch between Henry Davis and Matt Gorski when they can figure it out. Um, but you know, now that he's finally healthy and finally adjusted back to that, I think he's going to be just fine at the plate. Now it's behind the plate that, that you're worried about, but you know, it'll be interesting to see how um, how Kyron Madison kind of deploys his his battery. And you know, it'll be. I think he's going to be just fine, and they need him to be just fine because the catching position is a black hole. They do, and you need Gorski to continue to do what he's doing. I want to mention this as we, we we may end up talking more about this on here. We may not. Uh, this is probably more of a localized Altoona story. And I do, I do cover the curve for the Altoona mirror. So I might write something in this for, for the local paper. See p- folks listening to this podcast, you only care what the prospects are doing and getting up and, and how they can help the pirates. That That's all you care about. And that's fine. Um, but we thought we were going to see a great team in Altoona this year. We have not. We've not seen a great team. They finished the first half 33 and 36. And if you're a Pirates fan, you're saying, who gives a damn? Okay. Who gives a damn what the record of the double A team is as long as Mike Burroughs develops and as long as Henry Davis develops. And, and, and again, that's fair game. That's why 
That's why I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this just right now. But we were hoping to see an awesome team in Altoona of Quinn Priester and Nick Gonzalez and Henry Davis and Jack Sawinski and Tucapita Marcano and all these guys that if that if that team would have ever been together here in Altoona, they wouldn't have finished 33 and 36 in the first half. I guarantee you that. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm complaining here because this is two years now. The curve finished under 500 last year on a team that had Real Enzi Contreras and O'Neill Cruz. Well, the because the relievers struggled and that kind of thing. And again, I'll reiterate one more time. Pirates fans don't care what the team's damn record is in double A. But I feel like as somebody that's watched double A for 25 years, Jared, this two-year window that we had in Altoona where all these great prospects were coming through, we just never got to see them all together and have it all pan out together. And it that's ultimately in the history of the Altoona curve, that's going to be disappointing. Now, we do still have the second half this year. We'll see. But I, I don't know that this team overall is strong enough to, to really go out and pound it every day. No, and I think that's I think that's the important thing, too, is that the second half of the season is a completely different ballgame. And, you know, what you do in the first half, while it matters, it really doesn't matter here. Wouldn't it be awesome to have Mike Burrows and Jack Sawinski and Marcano? All, all, just because, we, folks, we, get, we did get to see this in 2010. They used to leave the guys here all year. They're not doing that anymore. And again, maybe no, maybe Pirates fans don't care about this at all, but uh, boy, it, it would have been fantastic to see all those dudes playing together. And it's and it's interesting too because the Pirates mentality is they want to focus on winning, um, but they're not always winning. And and in the minor league level, now things happen, right? And and the minor leagues are a lot different than the major leagues, clearly. But the game is still the same. So it, it's just one of those situations where you're just kind of interested to see how things play out because they they want to win. They they are trying to win games, but you know, it's, it's, it's very different how the rosters are made up. And and now with the transactions, it, this is the most, I feel like this is the most, and it might be players that have gone straight from Altoona to the pirates in yeah. or in team history. Um, and that's a good thing. Right. And, 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 every, and almost everybody that's gone up there has stuck. And I think that's, I think that's huge for, for the pirates moving forward. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't, I don't foresee a lot more roster movement in Altoona uh, to be perfectly honest, more players probably coming rather than going, but it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season develops. Well, and again, if you're, if you're in Pittsburgh, listen, you don't give a damn about any of this stuff. You only care when these guys are going to get to Pittsburgh. If you're in Altoona or Bradenton or Greensboro listening to this on our young bucks podcast, yeah, it probably does mean more to you, but I can I can guarantee you it means more to people in Altoona. And if this is a foreign concept to Pirates fans, I get it. I truly do. I, I absolutely get it. But fans in Altoona want to see the curve win. Well, that's stupid. That's not what the minor leagues – fine. That's fine. But I'm telling you, I've been here for 25 years. They want to win here. They've been to the playoffs nine times. They've won two Eastern League championships – when we write stories, he, you have to separate it from the minor league fan mindset of when we write stories here about all these great players on the team, and then the team goes out and loses a lot, there is a disconnect here, and fans will wonder, well, why the hell isn't this team, isn't this team winning when we're sending Mike Burroughs and Rowan and Contreras and O'Neill Cruz and J- Kanan Smith and Jigba. We're sending all these guys up. Why aren't they winning in double-A? Well, the, right. they're not winning, winning does AA. matter. It, it, it matters to the minor league fan, and I can guarantee you it matters 
to Altoona fans. Now, if people think that Altoona fans are stupid for that, fine. But Altoona fans have have kind of been really spoiled over the years because the curve have just pretty much always been really good. Right, and that's a good problem to have. But, you know, winning does matter no matter what level it is. From Little League to high school to minor leagues to the major leagues, even though it might not always be seen in the on-field product, winning does matter. And winning does kind of solve everything, um, or at least it hides a lot of things too. But for Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Prugar on the Young Bucks podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We'll catch you again next week with a discussion about our next top 10 and what to expect from the minor leaguers in the system. Mm-hmm.